Have you heard? 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 everyone welcome to this edition of have you heard i'm aaron french and i'm jennifer berkshire and aaron i can tell by your somewhat far away sound that you must be in the remote have you heard production studios i am indeed in a very super secret location do you know where i am well there's definitely something different about your voice but i can't quite place it well if you're picking up on a slight southern accent it's not because i'm making fun of you i'm in georgia <laughs> Ah, what are you doing down there? Well, I headed down to Georgia with my microphone because there's a hotly contested question on the ballot that voters are going to be weighing in on. They're voting on whether to amend the state constitution to give the governor the power to take over struggling schools. And my understanding is what makes this really unique is that it's the first time in history that any state has put this kind of question on a ballot for election time. That's correct. And what I discovered as I went around and talked to people who are directly affected by the question is that they have a lot to say. Well, let's hear from them then. When voters in Georgia go to the polls, they face another decision besides Clinton versus Trump. They'll also be weighing in on a single divisive sentence. Shall the Constitution of Georgia be amended to allow the state to intervene in chronically failing public schools in order to improve student performance? Got that? You're changing the Georgia Constitution. That is major. By amending the state constitution, voters will give the state the authority to take over some 140 struggling Georgia schools. It's called an Opportunity School District, modeled on what happened with the New Orleans public schools after Katrina. While these independent state-run districts are now popping up around the country, what makes Georgia different is that it's the first time the question has been put before voters. You can put parent advocate and Atlanta native Kimberly Brooks down as a no. It's just misleading. Pretty simple. Um, should the governor's office intervene for failing schools? There are psychological triggers. That's my own, that's my own um, view of that. So when you think of failing, that's horrible. You think of these little kids. You think of the teacher. You think, oh, my God, yes. You know, but no. <laughs> no, because... What is not said is very broad. How are you defining failing? If you want to see just how intense the debate over Amendment 1 has gotten, go no further than the discussion around the preamble. Those are the 14 words on the ballot that introduce the school takeover plan to voters. Provides greater flexibility and state accountability to fix failing schools through increasing community involvement. What does this mean? Will the parent be able to have a voice over a school in their area? If you're a parent and you're a tax and you're a taxpayer and you contribute, you know, a lot to your taxes, do you want to not even have a say so in your superintendent because they're going to be appointed? Do you not want to have any say so in the operations and the spending of the school because you'll lose those rights? Do you know that? The answers to these questions are buried deep in the legislation that will go into effect if voters approve Amendment 1. With new powers, the state can step in and close schools with persistently low test scores. It can turn them over to charter operators. It can run the schools directly or jointly with the local school board. The decisions will largely be in the hands of a state-appointed superintendent. In other words, it's complicated, and as Brooks sees it, political. Some of my, and I say my parents because they are mine, they're just, they're hardworking people. 
and they, you know, they have a lot of other challenges. And if the school system has a responsibility to do it, they should not be concerned about when their child goes to school, any politics in one of the supposed to be most safest places and sacred structures, you know, uh, elementary school. Brooks started advocating for parents back in 2012 when the Atlanta public schools closed a dozen schools. Community meetings were held for parent input, but she says that even though parents spoke up, they weren't heard. She's worried that the governor's school takeover plan will eliminate the little voice that her parents do have. I decided to become an advocate because a lot of the parents that I served as a PTA president, it was eye-opening for me, I didn't realize the social problems that they had that influenced their ability to be involved in their children's lives and to even understand what quality education looks like. So I felt that I was it was my responsibility to start advocating for parents. The question of whether to amend the Georgia Constitution will be decided by voters across the state. But the schools that dominate the takeover list are largely congregated in and around Atlanta. They have something else in common, too. According to the Georgia Budget and Policy Institute, the schools on the list are attended by students who are overwhelmingly African-American and low-income. Um, Washington High is, um, was established in 1924. It was the first uh, African-American high school in the Southeast. People came from far and near to matriculate here. We have proud alumnus such as Martin Luther King Jr. We have Lena Horn. We have Pearly Dove, we Nipsey Russell, um, Louis Sullivan. That's Valerie Williams. She's an alumni of Booker T. Washington High School on Atlanta's west side. It's been on and off the list of schools that could potentially be taken over. And it's not the only historic African-American school whose fate hangs in the balance. What this would mean for us is that how can a state even allow a school that's on the National Historic Registry be even in this place? And that's not only a Booker T. Washington, it's the Frederick Douglass, it's the Benjamin E. Mays, the schools whom are named after great African Americans. How can you not be intentional about the success of these schools? When Williams thinks about community involvement, she has in mind the huge community of people who attended historic black schools like Booker T. Washington. While voters may be determining the future of these schools, Williams says their potential takeover is also a threat to the past. What this would mean to us is our legacy and our history, our 90, some years, 90 plus years of legacy and history would be gone. There is no other school, there is no other place in the world like a Booker T. Washington High School in Atlanta, Georgia. So if creating a state-run school district that scoops up struggling schools isn't the answer, what is? Williams says that when she looks at successful schools in the Atlanta area, she sees a clear difference. What I believe we need is the same equitable resources that schools that are being successful have. If we received the equitable amount of resources and personnel that have made the North Side successful, successful, we would be successful. Williams would also like to see the governor, who's the driving force behind the Opportunity School District, focus much more on the communities around the schools, especially at a time when neighborhoods like hers in West Atlanta are gentrifying rapidly and its poorest residents risk being left behind or pushed out altogether. If the governor was very intentional about really pulling 
people up from the bootstrap is not just education. You have to go into these communities. You have to show people a difference. You have to show people without displacing them. By now, you're probably getting the sense that the debate over Amendment 1 in Georgia isn't just about struggling schools or accountability. It's about history and resources, who gets to make decisions, and above all, it's about race. Take one of the ads that's been airing in favor of the ballot question. I mean, I think it's devastating that there's 68,000 children that are in failing schools. Our children cannot wait for a good education. They deserve a good education. The Opportunity School District does not go into effect those that are already doing well. This is an opportunity to help those students that have been failing for decades. I just can't imagine what those other parents have to go through. That's why I'm voting yes for the Opportunity School District. Vote yes on question one. Even in the advertising that's on television now, uh, you have a person on camera basically saying to us, don't worry, you can vote for this. This is about other people's kids. Kent McGuire is the head of the Southern Education Foundation, a group that got its start 150 years ago as part of the effort to help blacks in the South assimilate after the Civil War. He says that he can't help but recall George's past when he considers the proposal to set up a separate school district for students who are overwhelmingly poor and African-American. But it makes you worry uh, that this is about creating a dual system, not about creating one really high-quality system for all kids. It does make you worry about that a lot. The campaign to sell Amendment 1 to voters is heavy on feel-good buzzwords, opportunity, achievement, accountability. But McGuire says he's noticed one notable omission. There's no talk about what schools that are part of the Opportunity School District will actually do. Nothing about teaching or learning. There is no underlying vision for teaching and learning that has been expressed here or revealed. None. I don't think people, the architects of this, believe we have a design problem in our education system. They just think it's a question. We have a managerial one. That is the tip of the iceberg is the point I would want you know, to, to make. Amendment 1 is running strong among backers of Georgia's Republican governor, Nathan Deal. But they're not the only ones who support it. Priscilla Davenport says that while many of her DeKalb County neighbors are opposing the Opportunity School District, you can put her down as a yes vote. For me, as a parent, um, I feel that I know what has not worked in years, in more than 10 years, and I'm willing to to make a change, to um, try something new. Davenport grew up in this metro Atlanta county, and she says she can still recall a time when its schools were a draw. And when I was um, younger and living in DeKalb, DeKalb County School District was the top school district. Everyone was moving to attend the schools in DeKalb County. Today, though, Davenport's daughter attends a high school that's on the state takeover list. Davenport says she chose to send her daughter to the school instead of a charter or a magnet because it had been slated to undergo a transformation. But four years in, she's frustrated that not much seems transformed. The education level did not really increase. 
even though the funding and the programs were put in place, a lot of those things, um, maybe they just didn't work, but I'm not sure. But for sure, the education level of the school did not increase. The enrollment dropped because a lot of people after seeing that, they decided to take their children other schools. Davenport says when she looks at the list of schools that could be taken over by the state, she notices something else they share besides the demographics of the students. Few of them have really active and engaged parents. If you check the research on parent involvement, most of the passing schools have high parental involvement and welcoming parents and gathering parents and doing things with parents and involving parents in the educational process of their children. Listening to Davenport, I'm struck by just how much she sounds like parent advocate Kimberly Brooks, who's leading the charge against Amendment 1. But if Brooks fears for what a state takeover will mean for parental involvement in the future, Davenport says schools like her daughters make it way too hard for parents to make their voices heard now. I did realize that as parents are actually involved in a school, it's always not a welcome door with the leadership. So when you are going in school and you're participating and you're being very active in your child's education life, that's not always wanted on a higher level. Davenport says she's under no illusion that a state-run takeover will be a cure-all to the problems confronting schools like those in DeKalb County. In fact, she's aware that similar efforts in other states have been controversial and have produced at best mixed results. No one knows whether this will work or not, but we, we are hoping that it will work if it passes, because at least it opens a door for our community to address education. Even staunch Amendment 1 opponent Kent McGuire says he has to give the governor some credit for raising the issue of how best to educate students in Georgia who need the most help. We're not saying schools that aren't performing well don't need help. We, we do. So let me commend the governor for taking an interest in the lowest performing schools in Georgia. He was right to do so, right? The real question is... Uh, what's the best way to do that? Thanks for tuning in to another installment of Have You Heard? If my math is correct, that brings us up to episode number eight, which means that our 10-part series is almost over. So if you really like what you've been hearing and maybe want to encourage us to do more or have ideas about episodes we haven't touched on, this would be a good time to drop us a line. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at EduShyster and Aaron is at AaronMofoFrench. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Berkshire and that's what we've heard. <laughs>